All these years, I don't know what I would be if she wasn't there to stand with me and support me in everything. You know, I'm the one talking all the time, but she's the one who's really holding me up. She's, she's my pastor. Like uh, Pastor David says that Pastor Leifan is his pastor. Well, my wife is my pastor too. And I'm really blessed to have her. I, I'm really glad that you guys get finally to meet her. Now she's Italian. She speaks French. So being an Italian, she speaks sign language. So if, if she doesn't understand your English, you just do signs and she will understand perfectly well. Hallelujah. Well, guys, you are still here. You are alive. We've been through it all. And we're still standing here right now. Everything that the devil has thrown against us to keep us quiet, to keep us down, has not su succeeded. We are still alive. And, you know, many, many things have happened these last three years. I think it's been probably the most difficult time in my life. We have gone through many struggles as a church, as a ministry, and even as a family. I think that everything that the devil had to throw at us, he threw at us in these last three years. I hope that was everything. I hope that was everything because it, it can always get worse. But God has been so faithful. You know, sometimes you think that, wow, I, I, I'm not going to be able to stand up anymore. But God is there and God is so strong. He will carry us through anything. And He has carried many of you. We have a reason to celebrate. We have a reason to be happy, to rejoice in His presence. Because there is nothing on this planet that can stop us from rising up and becoming the church that Jesus deserves. A glorious bride. And that is what we are all starting to look like. Praise the Lord for this. Now I have a couple of things I want to share with you this morning that um, God has put on my heart. So I have these three little parts of scripture that we will go to one by one. And the first thing I wanted to share with you this morning is from uh, Psalm 133 that you know probably off by heart. You know the, the, the famous psalm where it is good and pleasant to dwell together in unity. I wanted to share some, something from that part of Scripture first. Psalm 133, verses 1 to 3. It's a, it's a song of ascents, David writes. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, that's for you, Stephen. On the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes, it is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. This was a psalm that the Jews would sing and pray as they went up to Jerusalem to worship. That is why it's called a psalm of ascents. It's a psalm of ascension. When they were going up the hills towards Jerusalem, they would sing these songs. They would, they would remember that it is a glorious thing to assemble in the presence of God. Now, the pandemic has tried to stop that. And many times, in many places, it has succeeded. In Belgium, we spent half a year without assemblies. We had to do everything online. You guys, I heard it was even worse than that. One whole year. Praise God for the freedom that we have to assemble. There is something special that happens when the church assembles. We don't go up a mountain somewhere like the Jews did, but we climb a spiritual mountain when we assemble. We come together to the mountain of the presence of God. And we stand before His throne in heavenly places as the church comes together to worship. God loves to see His people come out. To come out of their tents, to come out of their homes, to assemble in this dimension of glory that we are welcomed into. As we become one, as we dwell in the presence of God. Wonderful things happen when the church unites in His presence. He says here that it is here 
that the Lord has commanded the blessing and life forevermore. Now God can bless you in your house and praise the Lord, He's blessed us as we were at home watching the screen, trying to worship, but let's be honest, it wasn't the same thing. Like I, just yesterday, I think Pastor Alan Tan posted something on Facebook that I found very nice. He said, watching the service online, it's like watching a fireplace on TV. You can see the light, but you cannot feel the warmth. And as we were at home and watching the screen, now I was even a worse situation than most people because I was just in front of the, of the screen preaching to a camera, you know, and I really hated that, like looking at that camera, trying to pretend that there were people behind watching me. It's so difficult to relate and to, and to feel connected to people in that way. And so I, I saw you guys worshiping. I saw you guys um, in your homes recreating um, a, a, a service with the family, with the people around you. And, but it's not the same as when we assemble in the presence of God. Something happens when the church comes out. God can bless you in your home, but he will bless you many times more as you come out into his presence. This is the place where the Lord has commanded a blessing and life forevermore. And he says that it is like oil that is poured out onto your head and will flow down your robes, down your beard if you have one. It's like, it's like the anointing of the Holy Spirit that will come down when the church assembles in the presence of God. And we are like on a spiritual mountain, seeing the glory of God, receiving his blessings, and he speaks to us. God assembles his church so that he can release a word over them. And you know, the word of God is much more than information. The word of God is spirit and life. If it was just about information, then we could read a book or we could just be in front of a screen somewhere and we would receive the same information. But God is looking to impart spiritual life into you. And of course he can do that through a screen as well because God has no limits. But this is the place when the church unites and assembles to worship him, where he can speak a word of life over the congregation. And you know what? You don't need to understand everything that God says to be impacted by his words. Do you remember when Jesus preached? Many times people did not understand what Jesus was talking about. Even his own disciples, they had to go home with him and say, Lord, we didn't understand your sermon today. Explain to us this parable. And Jesus was like surprised that they didn't understand. But you know what? It's not because they didn't understand they, they, they did, that they didn't receive spiritual life. At one point when Jesus was in the wilderness preaching about, about the bread of life in John chapter 6, everybody was offended because they didn't understand his message. Many people left and even the disciples, they, they were completely clueless about what it meant to eat his flesh, to drink his blood. They didn't understand. And so Jesus said to them, will you also leave me? And Peter responded, no. To whom else should we go? You have the words of eternal life. Which means, Lord, I don't understand what you're talking about. But when you speak, I receive spiritual life. Your words are more powerful than mere information. Your words bring life. Your words bring me back to life. And I, I don't know if my brain can comprehend what you're saying, but I know that my spirit man loves to hear you speak. You see, that is why it's so important for us to congregate, to assemble, so that the Lord can release his word over the congregation and bring us life. We need the word of the Lord just as much, even more so, than we need to drink and to eat to stay alive. 
The Word of God is what is keeping you alive right now. The Word of God is what is giving you faith right now. And if we stop eating and receiving of the Word of life, life inside of us starts to dwindle and starts to become weak, and then we become, we become weak to all sorts of temptations and things that the devil throws at us. The church thrives when it is fed by the mouth of God. Now, I know that Pastor David and Pastor Stephan and all those who preach here, they preach a good word, and I'm sure you understand most of it. But even if there's things that you don't understand, Never underestimate the power of sitting under the Word of God that is being preached. Even if you don't understand. I remember when I was seven years old, my father took me to a church. I did not understand a single word that the minister was preaching. It was like in French we say it was Chinese to me. It's an expression in French, it's a bit racist expression, but it's, a, it's like Chinese to me because we have, we have no clue what Chinese means in, in, in Belgium. So it was completely impossible for me to understand what the guy was talking about, but it was in English, but I was only seven years old. I didn't understand. But there was something that his voice was carrying, something that made my heart melt inside something that made my hands tremble. And I was listening, but I couldn't understand anything. And my, my, my spirit was yearning for life inside of me. And I could feel the words coming out of that man. And they were nourishing and feeding my soul. And he saw that I was trembling. And he, so he said, young man, do you want to give your life to Jesus? And I didn't know that that was what was happening. So I said, yes, okay. If that's what's happening here, okay, I'll give my life to Jesus. And he prayed over me, and the Spirit of God came into my life when I was seven years old. You see, I didn't understand a single word he preached. Because there is power when the Word of God is preached that, is, that goes beyond mere words. That goes beyond intelligence. It goes straight to your heart. And it reaches to the deepest parts of you where you are yearning for the truth, where you are yearning for meaning, you are yearning for God. So guys, next week, come out of your tent. Come out of your home. Come into the presence of God. No, if you have COVID, then of course I understand, stay home. But come and assemble on the mountain of the Lord with us. And sit under the word of God that is being preached. In, in our service in Belgium, there's a couple of people who doze off during the service. They fall asleep. You know, I don't know if you have any here. I'm, I'm watching to see. Ravi, I'm looking at you. <laughs> we have a couple of people who doze off during the service. And that is about how I know that I've been preaching too long. But you know what? It is better to sleep in the house of God even if you're not even listening, your spirit inside is receiving. Because your spirit never sleeps. Your spirit man listens to God day and night as he speaks over your life. It is better to sleep in the house of God than outside in your home. If you're too tired, come. We, we had a person who was working night shifts at our church. And after the night shift, she would come to the service and she would be very tired, but she loved being in the service because even if her mind was in a state where she couldn't understand and listen to everything, her heart received something from the Lord. Let us read another psalm this morning. I want to, to share with you from Psalm 87, and this is going to be the main scripture for this morning. Psalm 87, verses 1 to 7. I'm reading in the ESV. Psalm 87. It's a psalm of the sons of Korah. It's a song. On the holy mount stands the city he founded. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwelling places of Jacob. Glorious things of you are spoken, O city of God. Selah. 
which means pause. Among those who know me, I mention Rahab and Babylon. Behold, Philistia and Tyr and Cush. This one was born there, they say. And of Zion, it shall be said, this one and that one were born in her. For the Most High himself will establish her. The Lord records as he registers the peoples. This one was born there. Selah. Verse 7 says, Singers and dancers alike say, All my springs are in you. Did you notice as we were reading verse 2, the Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwelling places of Jacob. That means God loves it when you come out. They came out of their tents, we come out of our homes. And now it's, it's difficult for us to do that because we've had a long week, we've worked Sunday morning, we want to sleep in a bit later and stuff, I understand that. But worshiping is all about this sacrifice that we feel and we know that it better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And God loves it. Now, you may not realize it this morning, but God is rejoicing that you came out. And for those of you who are watching online, God is rejoicing that you are connecting with us through the internet. But let me tell you, he will rejoice even more if you would come out into his presence where the church is assembly, where the church gathers together to worship in unity. He says in verse 3, glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God. You see, when, when the, the church assembles, when Israel assembled under the anointing and power of God, glorious things were spoken. At that time, nobody was taking notes and nobody was streaming the service. So they all had to rely on word of mouth. You weren't at the meeting. Oh, you missed out, bro. It was awesome. What did he say? Well, I'm trying to remember the words, but you know, it must have been difficult at that, at that time. At least now everything is recorded. But glorious things were spoken. As Moses was preaching to the people, glorious words that were fresh from the mountain of God was spoken over the people. And you know what the word of God does. The scripture here says, it makes people be born again. In this, in this psalm, it speaks about different nations. Those who know me, Rahab, Babylon, Philistia, Tyr, Cush, they were born in those cities. But of Zion it shall be said, this one and that one were born in her. When we come and sit under the word of God, when we come and listen to what the, word, what the Lord is speaking to his church, it makes us be born again. Now I know you were born again in 1975 when uh, the Pentecostal revival hit and you gave your life to Jesus. You know, I've been born again many times since. Every time that the Holy Spirit comes, he says, come alive again. Why do we need to come alive multiple times? Because we live in a difficult world. We live under a heavy shadow of darkness. And we even have a part of darkness inside of us which is our sinful nature, which continually tries to come back to the surface. And so God is constantly releasing fresh life over us. Constantly, He's speaking life over you. He's speaking life over your family. He's speaking life over your relatives. He's speaking life over your prayer life, over your reading of Scripture. He's, he's speaking life over you. God wants us to come alive. And if we stop connecting with him, we start to die. Jesus said, I am the true vine and you are the branches. You need to dwell, to abide in me. Because the life of the vine 
will go through all the branches as they are connected to the trunk of the tree. Do you understand? It's so important to connect and to stay connected under the Word of God because it gives us life again. And we've gone through very difficult times, you know. These last three years have been, like I said, some of the hardest years of my life. Every single time, the Word of God was there for us. When we were on the brink of giving up, when we were hopeless, when we were crying our eyes out because of all the problems that we were having, God would send a word. And sometimes it was just two words and we would come alive again, my wife and I. We would look at each other and we knew that we had heard the voice of God. God's voice resurrects us. God's voice just casts out all the shadows of doubt and all the things that the enemy throws at us, they, they seem like nothing at all as soon as God has spoken to us. Please, my friends, never stay long away from the voice of God. Please, never stay long away from being connected to the body of Christ because you are a branch in the vine that is Jesus and you need to abide and stay connected to receive new life again and again and again. Every day you new. You cannot live off the life that you received last week. It's a river and a river flows. You're not a lake, you're a river. Jesus said, those who drink of the waters that I will give them, they will become inside them rivers of waters flowing forth unto everlasting life. It, spiritual life needs to be continued, needs to be, needs to be constantly renewed inside of us. And this is what happens as the church assembles in the presence of God. God says, this one, that one, was born there. Each and every one of us, we were born because God spoke a word over us. It can be in different situations, different settings, but God has spoken over your life. And he said to you, come alive. Come alive again. Come alive again. And I really feel in my spirit that the Holy Spirit wants your dreams and hopes to come alive again. Some of you are struggling with despair and discouragement. Some of you have, feel like everything is stuck and you're going nowhere. God says, I have still good things to come. We sang that song earlier. Still good things are coming for you guys. And the Holy Spirit is saying over your dreams, come alive. Don't let the devil shut you down. There will be trials and tribulations in this world. But by faith, my word will make you come alive. And you will not yield to the darkness of this age. No matter what happens, no matter how many times you are disappointed, you will always come back to the surface because my resurrection power is living inside of you. You know, like those corks on a champagne bottle? Have you ever tried to sink one underwater? What happens when you release it? Everybody go. <laughs> a cork will always go back to the surface. A Christian will always arise out of any situation. As long as he stays connected to Jesus. Even if everything goes wrong in your life, even if you've lost your health, your family, your job, your friends, every bit of hope that was left, the Holy Spirit can bring you back to life. Remember Job. He had lost every single thing that he can lose. And yet God gave him back double. God is the God of new beginnings. God is the God of resurrected hope. And He wants to resurrect you. Some, some of us, we are pretending like everything's okay, but deep inside we feel that we are discouraged and we need new hope. The Holy Spirit is breathing out over the service this morning. New life and new hope. He's going to resurrect you. 
Not because it's me, but because this is the Word of God. And the Word of God is powerful. His words are spirit and they are life. In his epistle, Peter says that we have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God. God's words are seeds of imperishable life. God is putting seeds in your heart this morning as I'm speaking to you. God is sowing seeds of greatness, seeds of hope, seeds of resurrection, that you will not stay under that yoke that has been on your life for so long. This discouragement and depression that has been holding you down, God wants to break it off of you this morning. Because you are going to rise up like a cork out of the water and you are going to thrive. This is a season where God is going to bring new beginnings. Who needs to receive that word this morning? Let's just take a second to acknowledge that and to say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the words of life that you send forth unto my brothers and sisters who need new hope. And Lord, I condemn all despair and discouragement from the enemy. And I break the yoke of depression and all the darkness that is engulfing the spirits of several of my brothers and sisters in this house. And I speak life, abundant life. We are called to thrive. We are called to flourish. We are called to be on top. We are called to victory. Because if the grave could not hold Jesus down, Nothing is going to hold the church down. And Father, I thank you for new beginnings in the hearts of my brothers and my sisters this morning. Thank you for a fresh anointing of heaven in this place as we assemble to worship you and to receive from you, Jesus. Praise be to your name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We are a people reborn. We are born anew and born again. And it doesn't matter where you came from, what you did. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your past has been. In the presence of God, everything can become new. The Bible says that he who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The new has come. The season of testing of trials and tribulations is going to bring forth something new in the earth. God is not allowing this to happen for no reason at all. I received a few years ago when the pandemic started that God was going to shake the nations of the earth to bring something new to the nations, to break the status quo where things were not moving and his kingdom was stuck. God was going to shake things up and by all means, we've been shaken these last few years. And right now, it's like the dust is starting to settle and we're wondering what is happening, what is, what is about to happen, what is this new season, Lord? But God is going to show us one step at a time. We are going to enter into new areas as a church. We have grown. And you know, as, as Christians, we don't always realize how much we've grown until we come out of the season of trials and tribulations that we went through. Many times, you know, like I was talking to Pastor David and Pastor Lifan last night about the fact that they pioneered a work here in Shalam against all odds. And Pastor Lifan said to me, you know, when we were doing that, we didn't realize that we were pioneering anything. We just did what we had to do, what God had given us to do. You know, when, when you are stepping out into a new area and when you are pioneering something new, when you're entering into a new season, you don't realize it. It's years later when you look back and you say, wow, God really did something awesome during that time. But when you're in the thick of it, you don't realize it because it's so many struggles, it's so much pressure upon you and you are holding on for dear life and trusting Jesus every step of the way. And you don't realize that you have become a hero of faith. 
God has made us into heroes in these last years. We are still alive and we are still here and we are still thriving and we have vision and hope for the future. And that is just glorious. Let me tell you, you will look back on these next years. In the future, you will look back and say, wow, God has done tremendous things with us. But while we're in the middle of it, we don't realize it. We just do what we think we need to do to please the Lord. Holding on to Him, trusting Him. God loves dependency. When His children depend on Him, when His children rest on Him, rely on Him, and need His Word to move forward, God loves that. And that is why sometimes He has to allow seasons to put us in a, in a situation where we are we feel our weakness. We feel that we, we, we cannot do it without Him, that without Him we can do nothing. God needs sometimes seasons like that so that we learn to rest on Him and rely on Him and depend on Him. We can so easily become comfortable in our Christian work. And Jesus needs to remind us that without Him we can do nothing. Right now we are going through a season that is very strange and very complicated, very hard to read what is happening. But it's because it is a transition phase. We're coming out of something and we're entering to something else. And we need to understand that God is not going to clarify things for us. He's asking us to just trust Him. He's not asking us to see miles ahead. He's, ask, he's asking us to trust Him one step at a time and to depend on Him. What shall we do, Lord? Where shall we go? What shall we teach? What shall we preach? What shall we sing? The Holy Spirit will provide. You're going to experience something because of um, this fountain of life, this new birth experience, this regeneration of the Spirit. God has shown me for the church here that you are going to experience a revival in your praise and worship. Something is going to happen and stir in the waters of this church. Praise and worship is going to become extravagant. Something very strong is going to come up. It's like it's going to be a river flowing in the middle, in the middle of the church. And there's going to be joy in this place. The Holy Spirit is going to bring that to the surface. It's new life. In verse 7 of Psalm 87, it says, Singers and dancers alike say, All my springs are in you. You're going to live, you're going to experience that. This place is going to be a place full of song and even full of dancers. We are going to dance in the presence of God. Not because of the atmosphere that the, that the worship team creates. Not because of hype but because all our springs are in you. We're going to be singing and dancing out of that river that is bubbling up inside of us. And God is speaking to the river inside of you this morning. And He says, come forth, river of life. You've been blocked inside for too long. It is time that rivers of living waters would flow forth from you once again. And He's calling up the waters of the Spirit inside of you. You know, many times we, we think that the, the waters of the Holy Spirit have to come down from heaven. But Jesus said they come out of your insides. They come out of your belly where the rivers are. If you've received the Lord, if you've received the water of the Holy Spirit in your life, there is a fountain inside of you. There is a source, a spring inside of you that the Holy Spirit wants to release. He wants to take out all the stones and any hindrances that are blocking the water so that each one of us, we would become a fountain of life. And the rivers of water the rivers of life would come flowing out of us and will become our songs and our dances. Do you know how powerful it is to sing under the anointing of the Holy Spirit? Do you know that the same waters of life that made you become born again are the same waters that spring forth from you when you are singing? 
Do you know that the songs that you sing under the anointing of the Holy Spirit can touch your neighbor and make him come alive? Many times when I'm in a church, I'm listening for the anointed voices. You know, the anointed voices are not always the best voices, but they are the people who sing under the unction of the Holy Spirit. And many times I'm listening for that voice because when somebody is moved by the Holy Spirit and starts to sing under the anointing, spiritual life starts gushing forth into the place. One time I was in a, a youth meeting. There was like 200 young people in Brussels and the worship team were not very good. The instruments were not in tune and they had not rehearsed much, I think. But then there was a young lady in the place and suddenly, when the instruments settled down and the, the leader stopped singing, she started singing a song all by herself in the middle of the, of the service. And suddenly, the Holy Spirit came down into the place. There was no music. There was no hype. There was only the presence of God. How can it be that all those people were singing and doing music and they were so, so energetic about it but nothing was happening. But when that young lady started singing, suddenly something happened. Because she wasn't just singing. She was drinking from the fountain of life inside of her. You know, when we minister, when we preach, when we serve, when we teach, when we sing, when we play an instrument, we need to connect with that river inside of us. And we need to drink deeply from that river. And then speak it forth, sing it forth, praise it out so that it would touch the whole congregation. One person who sings under the anointing can change the atmosphere in a church. It's true. One person singing under the Holy Spirit can make your next door neighbor be born again, suddenly, without any warning. Because the Spirit of God can reach out from you and touch him. Do you know also that the same anointing that you sing from when you're under the unction of the Holy Spirit can transform into dancing? You can dance in the presence of God under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know what the culture is like here in Malaysia, but it cannot be worse than in Belgium. Belgians are very stiff. Like this is about the best that we can do. You know, like in Belgium, we have a lot of African friends. African people know how to dance and worship in the service. We have to calm them down many times. Settle down, brother, settle down, because they want to dance all the time. But we Belgians, we are so stiff. Like even if heaven has come down, we'll still be like this. But over the last three years, or even maybe four years, We've discovered in our church that suddenly the Holy Spirit is bringing forth an anointing that makes us sing and that causes us to dance. Now, you don't want to see what I can do because I'm not a good dancer. You know, it's going to rain in this place if I start dancing. But we have a couple of people who are not very good at singing. And actually, to be honest, you don't want them to sing and not be close to them when they do. But suddenly, these people have been, been moved by the Holy Spirit and started to dance. And when you look at them dance in the presence of God, you receive the same life as when the word is being preached from the pulpit, as when somebody is singing under the anointing, because, you know, song, a song is the manifestation through words and through melodies of what is happening inside your spirit. Dancing is another way of communicating these things. Now I know there are many people of Indian origin here in, in Malaysia. And I've been to India and I've seen them dance. At least in Punjab, they like to dance. And they like a... <laughs> You want to do it again? Okay. Sure, wait, you need to, you need to come to the drums. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not asking you to force yourself. 
you know, but be ready for it. Be ready for a move of the Holy Spirit that is going to bring forth spiritual life and empower your singing. And as you sing, church, you are going to feel that you are pushing back against the wall of darkness. And you are going to realize that singing is a powerful weapon of warfare. You're going to realize that powers and principalities are falling to the songs of the church. You're going to realize that situations in your family, in your work, in your, in your, in your body even, can change by the power of singing under the anointing of God. When David sang hallelujah, all his enemies were defeated. Because there is power when a Christian connects to the river of life that is inside of him. You're going to sing, and you're going to sing with all your heart. And you're going to rejoice in this house like never before. And some of you, don't be afraid, some of you are going to dance. Like David with all your strength before the Lord. God is going to bring forth singers and dancers who connect to the inner spring inside of them. And they're going to come alive. And I, I, I'm, I'm sharing this with you from what, what God is showing me for the church, but I feel you're going to enter into um, um, an area of extravagant worship, which is going to pierce through the hardness of the culture and the resistance of spiritual powers that are saying no to you and no to the church. Things are going to be released in heavenly places through your singing and your dancing. God is going to do great things. It's going to be powerful. And you know why? And this, this, comes, this brings me to the last thing I want to share with you this morning. You know why we are going to sing and we're going to dance? Because there is someone in this place who is right now singing and dancing over us gloriously. And it is the Lord do you know that the Lord rejoices over us with songs of deliverance, with songs of praise and songs of freedom? God is a God of, in, of joy and happiness. And sometimes when we come in church and we're so serious and so sad, I wonder if we see clearly who is in the midst of us? We have the God of all joy and all happiness in the midst of us. And we are going to feel his presence and realize what is on his heart. And then the springs of his, of his presence, of the river of the, of the Spirit, are going to bring forth dancing and singing like never before in the church. Prophet Zephaniah, that is the third scripture and the last one for today. Prophet Zephaniah, chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. He prophesied back in his day. Zephaniah 3, 14. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Now, the translators have done their best to render the meaning of these words. But Hebrew is a very rich language. And when it says here that the Lord will exult over you with loud singing, it is so much more than what the English says. 
The word to exalt in Hebrew, yachil, it means to shout ecstatically. It means to rejoice exuberantly, and it means to dance joyfully. And there is no way in English that you could say all those three things in one word. But that's what the word yachil in Hebrew means. God is exulting over us with loud singing, which means he is shouting ecstatically over us. And we're here like, okay, wow, great. God is enthusiastic over you. He is excited about you. He is excited that you've come out to worship him. He is rejoicing over you exuberantly. And if we could see him with our eyes, there would be a swirling dance of God in this place. Because the, the, the word in Hebrew means to dance joyfully. It is the word that's used when David was dancing with all his strength. Do you realize that God is a singer and that God is a dancer? God sings and dances, and that is why we sing and we dance. The world has tried to steal singing and dancing away from the church and to make it into something of the flesh, something of darkness. But God says, singing and dancing are mine. And my church will sing and they will dance before me because I am singing and I am dancing over them exuberantly, ecstatically, and joyfully. We are called to respond to the God who is dancing and singing over us. So next time we assemble as a church to worship, open your eyes, open the eyes of your heart and look full in the face of the God who is excited about you. He is not angry. He is not upset. He is not disappointed in you. You are maybe disappointed in yourself, like I often am, but God is not disappointed in us. You, God cannot be disappointed because to disappoint God, it would mean that we surprise him by doing something that he didn't know. And God knows everything about us. He knows everything from the first day to the last day of my life. Standing here right now, he could still tell me all the mistakes I'm going to make. God, I don't want to know. But he could tell me next year, by this date next year, you will have done this and this and this. Oh God, please no. He knows it all. So when I do it, he doesn't go, oh, I'm really disappointed with you. You know what he's doing? It's like when you, you're teaching your child to ride a bicycle. Are you angry and disappointed when she falls off the bike and breaks her arm? No. You go, oh. Of course, you have to go and go to the hospital and get the arm fixed and stuff. But I'm sure that in a couple of months, you'll be the person saying, come on, get back on your bike. Get back on your bike. Come on. We all fall off the bicycle. We are all clumsy. And all accidents happen to everybody. And sometimes we are stubborn and we do stupid things because we are simply human. God is not offended by that. God loves you and he runs to you. He doesn't say, I'm disappointed with you. He's saying, get up and try again. Next time you're gonna make it. I am with you to strengthen you. I knew you were gonna fall, but I'm here to lift you up out of that situation. I am here to make you rise up again. This is the heart of God. He, he loves you. He is exuberantly excited about you. I wish our eyes could open. Holy Spirit, open our eyes that we would see the kind of God that we actually have. Forget the God of religion. The serious, angry God in heaven who's watching over you to find fault. That is not the God that we have. Our God is a God of joy and excitement and he is standing in this place right now dancing over us. You know what kind of dance it describes in Hebrew? You, maybe you've seen this in the Hebrew culture. It's those dances when they dance in circles and they go, they, they swirl and whirl around. It's that kind of dancing. God is a dancer and he's dancing excitedly over you. Next time you go to your prayer closet and pray, see God 
as an excited, exuberant dancer dancing above your head. And you know what? Get up. Instead of praying religiously like that, although you can if it helps you, you know, but get up and start praising and start dancing with the one who loves you. God is looking for a bride. He's looking for a wife to dance with him in joy and ecstasy. And we are so privileged that we have been called forth from the darkness of this age to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus and to stand before the bridegroom, before Jesus himself, and to be clothed in white and dance with him for the wedding is soon to come. God is a dancer. He's calling you to dance. This morning, this is the call to the church. Come join the dance. Come join the dance of love that I'm dancing over you. Stop singing the songs of sadness and depression that the devil has been whispering in your ear. Rise up out of the despair and the hopelessness of this world. You are way more than everything that you've seen in this world. You are my bride and I am rejoicing over you. You are clean because of the words that I've spoken over you. You are my precious bride and I am ecstatic about you. And I know in many of your minds, there are buts coming. But, but I, but I, God says, no buts. I have washed all of that away. You might say, oh, but him, I understand, but not me because I'm so bad. I'm a bad Christian. Listen, in front of the glorious, holy God that we serve, we are all bad Christians. We all fall short, fall short of the glory of God. But He loves us nonetheless. And He is a, a generous and kind Father to us. So let us stand this morning in the presence of God and as, as we finish and receive the blessings that He has for us. I, I encourage you to open your hearts to heaven this morning and to see God as He truly is. He is a singer and He is a dancer. And he's singing songs of deliverance. And he's dancing dances of joy all around us. Swirling in the midst of us. Enjoying us just as he is calling us to enjoy him. 